Hey, one more thing before you go. What's it like to walk through history with a ghost? What would you do if you heard the gangster Ma Barker and her son getting ready for the shootout that took their lives? What was it like to walk in the footsteps of our forefathers while they prepared for war? Stay tuned. In this episode, we're going to talk to a paranormal investigator who I've had on this show before and happy to have back. She has an opportunity, a very unique one, to investigate some old and haunted historical locations. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About Walking Through History, A Conversation with Bill. Excited to have Chrissy Sumner back on the show as my guest. If you're new to the show, she's one of the primary twin sisters of Soul Sisters Paranormal. She was on the last show back in September 2020, episode number 20. Shortly after I started, one more thing before you go. She again was on the Throwback Friday on April 21st, 2021, episode 73, because so many people loved this show. Dr. Chrissy Sumner is a professional paranormal investigator that coupled her passion for travel, history, and the paranormal and form. Soul Sisters Paranormal, an all-female team made up of Sumner sisters and some friends. The team, Soul Sisters Paranormal, traveled to some of the most historic and reportedly haunted locations in the U.S. in an attempt to determine for themselves if spirit activity does exist and highlight the rich history of each location. Welcome to the show, Christy. Thank you for having me, Michael. I'm excited to be back. I'm really excited to be back. You guys have done an immense amount of investigation since we talked last, and I'm kind of really excited about uh, what's up and coming and and uh, what you have in store for the future. Yeah, we have. We've been really busy, um, you know, not just on the, the Soul Sisters paranormal side, but also on our personal journeys professional professionally and, you know, working with different uh, projects that we have going on. So the last couple of years have been pretty hopping. <laughs> Oh, that that's good though, because yeah, it's better than than the 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 years and the minutes just kind of hiding away or slipping away. And you know, you just can look back and go, I wasn't doing anything. But uh, yeah, you've been moving, moving and shaking things down. Yeah, pretty cool, absolutely. But you're still ghost hunting, which is always a positive thing. Absolutely, no, that is completely in our blood since 2014 when we started Soul Sisters Paranormal. Uh, you know, we've absolutely been hooked. So as you as you mentioned, we've been to quite a number of locations. We've got several on the books that are coming up this year as well. And um, I'm working on a project with Ghost Biker from Ghost Biker Exploration. She and I have opened a a location, a haunted and historic location in Huntsville, Tennessee. So all of that is just uh, really what has kept us busy over the last year and a half. You guys are opening up a museum and a jail. We did. Yeah. Here in Huntsville, Tennessee, it was a jail that was built in in 1904. It was in operation as a jail until 2008. And then it really just sat vacant until uh, 2021 when Miranda and I came in and set up the museum. Um, um, which is it's a pretty robust museum, and uh, we have a law enforcement cool. a- appreciation museum, crime and punishment museum, and then we also open it up to paranormal research. Very cool. So obviously, you have other law enforcement show up to your jail. So if it's haunted, they they allowed them in, right? So I wish I had no issues coming to visit. 
no, you have, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because the jail's reputation as a haunted facility um, actually occurred when the jail was um, being used as a jail. Um, ever since the first sheriff was mm. killed outside the front door in 1925, which is still an unsolved, uh, unsolved murder in this county, um, there have wow. been reports of haunting activity. Um, so we've had deputies and jailers that used to work here. Uh, they, they've contacted us and said, while I was working there, we've had, we heard door slammings. We heard footsteps. Uh, this one jailer had a shadow figure chase him down the stairs. Um, so oh, a lot of different reports, even while it was um, in operation as a jail facility. That was very cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. I wish I had your job. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I need to start a side hobby, see? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I love talking to you and Miranda and, and all, you know these other individuals that I've spoken with in regard to uh, the paranormal and the supernatural. I think that it just, it, we all are fascinated by it. We all want to know if it really exists. Mm -hmm. We all want to know what's out there, what possibility is and what's on the other side. If you don't mind, I know that we've talked about this back in 2020, but just to kind of help some of our uh, new audience, our new listeners, our new our new viewers, can you help us understand what you do as an investigator? Sure. And what, what kind of tools do you use? Sure, absolutely. So um, as I said before, we started Soul Sisters Paranormal in uh, 2014 when we did our first investigation at the West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville, West Virginia. And since then, we really tried to, to the best that we could, elevate the paranormal Paranormal, the main, the the subculture of paranormal into the mainstream, um, make it more acceptable to the best of, of our abilities. And so we've done that by going to different locations. We highlight that historical narrative of each location, and then we couple that with any unexplained evidence that we find at these locations. And some of the tools that we use to do that, um, first and foremost, we take voice recorders. Every time we go to a location, as soon as we cross the threshold of that location, voice recorders are recording. Whether it's a day tour um, or the start of our nighttime investigation. Uh, we all carry voice recorders. We have 10 voice recorders that we leave in stationary locations around each uh, on the property. So, for example, a room or a casemate or a cell, um, we put voice recorders in those. So we always have ears on those locations during our investigation. We have night vision video cameras that we carry with us as well as put in stationary, again, in stationary locations around the property that we're investigating. Um, we use K2 meters. We're, we really um, we like those as a form of validation to any EVPs or anything that we capture. So we use K2 meters. We'll use REM pods. Um, which is another form of, of EMF detector. Uh, we use laser grids um, in, in conjunction with those night vision video cameras. Um, and then we're also very interested in using trigger items. So we take, anytime we go to a location, we research it extensively before we go. And then we formulate what we call trigger items to take into that location. So for example, if we're going into a prison, we'll take cigarettes or water or uh, candy or something like that. You know, if we're, if we're in trying to speak to a, uh, the spirit of a child, we'll take a teddy bear or something like that. Something that will trigger a response from the spirits that we're trying to communicate with. That's really interesting. I, the trigger items, I think it would be a unique opportunity for for uh, getting a reaction, mm -hmm. you know, one way or the other, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as I said before, we really try to research the location and see if we can um, come up with unique trigger items. So one of the ones that was probably the most unique that we've done is the second time we went to the West Virginia State Penitentiary. Um, there's the, sp the spirit of a guy by the name of Red Snyder is said to inhabit that facility. And Red was 
was a horrible guy. He was uh, the leader of the Aryan Brotherhood. He was in the penitentiary for murder. Anybody that he wanted murdered in the prison while he was there, they ended up dead. So just a terrible individual. Um, But he had two vices in life. The first one was tobacco and the second was watching Days of Our Lives. So every day they would wheel a television in in front of his cell, allow him to watch Days of Our Lives. and, And so then they'd wheel it off. And so what we did is when we went to the facility, we downloaded an episode of Days of Our Lives onto our laptop and we put it in the cell and we started play and we said, Red, this is for you. So sit back relax, watch your, watch your soap opera, and we'll be back to talk to you later. And so we did. So we left and, and let him watch that for about an hour and we came back. And um, when we walked back into the cell, we said, did you see the things that we had left for you? And we got a very audible yes. And um, later that night, wow. yeah, later that night, I said, okay, we're going to go. Thank you for communicating with us. And we captured a male's voice saying, no, thank you. And again, I think that was in response to the fact that we took the time to find out what he liked. We gave that to him. And then that allowed us to have that open communication. That's pretty cool. And a soap opera. Yeah. That, days of our lives should use that as a commercial. See? <laughs> Every, yeah. Everybody watches our show. Yeah, I'm, you waiting, should too. I'm waiting for NBC to call me. <laughs> What's the difference between, um, you know, there you got a, a positive reaction. You, you were able to get communication that came through with uh, using those triggers and so forth. So what um, happens when um, uh, a residual uh, I guess they call it a residual mm-hmm. spirit that happens to be there. Can you help us understand the difference between a residual and one that actually would communicate with you? Absolutely. So we call them um, intelligent hauntings or residual hauntings. So an intelligent haunting is a response that we get in response to a direct question. So for example, if I say, can you say my name? And we get the word Christy, that's an intelligent response, right? I'm asking a question. I'm getting a direct answer. That is the correct answer. Uh, a residual haunting is, I kind of describe it like a blip in time. So for example, if you have a record player that's on the record and you're playing that record, every time the needle hits a scratch on that record, it's going to jump. That's, that is kind of how I describe a residual haunting. So every time either an anniversary comes around or a special date or something that triggers that needle to jump, essentially, you're going to get that residual haunting. Probably one of the best ones that I can describe is we were investigating the Ma Barker house in Central Florida. And this is the site of the 1935 shootout between Ma and Fred Barker and members of the FBI. And so Ma and Fred were uh, members of the Barker Carpus gang, ruthless gang throughout the late 1930s. 20s, early 1930s. And on January 16th, 1935, uh, the FBI surrounded this house that they had, uh, that they had holed up in and a gunfire, a gun battle started at around five o'clock in the morning and Ma and Fred were killed in that gun battle. So what we did is we actually, again, we were the first team to investigate. So we asked permission to investigate the house and I wanted to investigate on the anniversary of the shootout. So what we did is on the night of January 15th, which would have been the evening before the 16th, um, we put up stationary equipment in the house and we locked it up and we left because I wanted everything to record without anybody being in the house. And so when we left, you know, we, we had complete control of the environment. We know that nobody came up to the house at all during the night. And so at around, at around 5 a.m. on January 16th, which is, would have been 83 years after the shootout happened, we captured two voices on the voice recorder. The first one said, Freddie. The next one said, yeah, ma. And the first one said, get ready. And I think 
think that's a residual haunting. I think that's exactly what they said before the shootout happened. It's like, we're getting ready to go in this gun battle, Freddie, get ready. Um, and so that to me is probably one of the best examples of a residual haunting that we've captured. Yeah, that's amazing. I remember that conversation when we first talked back in 2020. Uh, to me, that that is a, a unique opportunity to, to listen to history within itself, because I know that you're it. I, I, when I say this, when I say this, I mean, with all due respect, you're history nut. Absolutely. And so with that in mind, um, I'm sure that has got to be such an exhilarating feeling to be able to kind of relive history, even from that perspective, not just reading it in a book, mm -hmm. but you're catching you're catching a piece of history. You're absolutely right. And, um, you know, when I first heard it, because when we go through our evidence review, um, basically what I do is I just put my headphones into the voice recorder and I hit play and I listen to it exactly as we captured it. I don't put it through any audio software or anything like that. I listen to it in the raw. And so I had been listening, obviously, for numerous hours at that point. And 99.9% .9 of what we listen to is just silence or static. And when I heard that, I literally came up off the, off the chair. I was like, holy yeah. bleep. And, uh, I said, I, you know, I was stunned that we absolutely captured that. And, and it's just an amazing location to, to capture that. And as well as some of the intelligent responses that we are capturing. Right. Um, but to your point, it, it was, it was one of those, you're, you're actually stepping back in time and, and having that connection. Kind of participating just a little mm -hmm. bit. Exactly. It's a little bit. Yeah, Robert De Niro, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. That in itself is a unique approach to your paranormal investigation. It's not just, you know, everybody knows about uh, the, the ghost hunters and they know about, uh, oh, I used to watch so many of these and I forgot a bunch of them, but, you know, uh, Zach and his crew that uh, come from Las Vegas, you, you know, ghost adventures mm -hmm. and things like that. Those are great, but I like your approach to, to not only the paranormal side of it or the supernatural side of it, the historical approach to it, because you, like you said earlier, you kind of, you delve into the history of the place as well as the paranormal aspect of it, which is a huge connection. What are some of your like favorites? That, that you were able to catch. I mean, Mob. Obviously, we know about Mob Barker. <laughs> other than that, I mean, you you've since we talked last, you've done you've done a, a number of investigations. Mm -hmm. You know, what what sticks out the most? Um, well, first of all, for the historical perspective, every location has been fascinating for us. As you said before, we get to have a very tactile experience with these locations. I get to touch the doorknobs of the Lizzie Borden House or walk up the stairs of the St. Augustine yeah. Lighthouse, and not many people get to do that. And that, to me, is really what drives what we do. The paranormal yeah. honestly becomes secondary. If we can tell the historical narrative of these locations, that is our driving factor. And then when we do the investigation, if we're fortunate enough to capture something, that is really just the icing on the cake. So I'd say that looking back, I see some of our, our best captures. I was really fascinated with what we captured at the Lizzie Borden house. Um, this is obviously uh, uh, the location that a lot of people know about. It was the site of the 1892 uh, murder of Abby and Andrew Borden. Lizzie Borden was arrested for that crime. She was acquitted of that crime. And um, so when we investigated, it was uh, four investigators from Soul Sisters Paranormal and we were joined by Miranda from Ghostbiker Explorations. And so we had the entire house to ourselves for a day and a half. And so we when we walked in, we started our voice recorders and we left them running. And so we're, you know, you see us and hear us pulling in equipment and, and pulling in our luggage and all of that, but we wanted those voice recorders to be running. So um, during that time, we had a voice recorder sitting in the parlor where Andrew Borden was killed. And Jenny 
and Michelle just were talking about the day. There was not about the house or anything like that. They were just having conversation about the day. And you hear a man's voice behind Jenny saying, I'm standing right here next to you. None, neither oh. one of them heard that in the moment, but it's it's very clear. Um, it's like I'm standing right here next to you. And so that was extremely compelling. And then later on, about an hour later, Jenny and Kara were sitting in that room and uh, they were comparing the differences between the Velisca Axe murders and the Lizzie Borden murders. And so just talking about, you know, the, those different types of murders. And uh, Kara says, either way, being axed to death would be a horrible way to die. And we captured a man's voice Saying it was again wow. extremely compelling, extremely intelligent. It's like this: this spirit is sitting there listening to these conversations and interjecting. And I wish we would have heard it in the moment, or they would have heard wow. it in the moment, so they could ask follow up questions. But to be able to capture that on the voice recorder was extremely compelling. So that was great. Uh, we've captured. Why is it significant? And how does a voice recorder be able to pick up something like that, whereas our human ear cannot? Mm -hmm. Well, the the voice recorder is really, it's, for lack of a better term, it's unbiased, right? So when Jenny and Kara are sitting there talking, they're not really expecting to hear anything. I mean, honestly, they were just talking about some different things. We weren't even officially in starting the investigation yet. And so, but the voice recorder, it's always running. And so it, it is able to pick up those things that we may not really be listening for at that moment. And it just, it, it has that, you know, that, that ability, that different frequency that maybe we couldn't hear at that time um, to pick mm -hmm. up there as well. And so that's why we always turn them on. And that's why even when, you know, we, we, we hit record as we go into the threshold. I'm listening from the time we start recording till the end of that that recording to see if we can pick up anything. Well, in regard to the voice that you heard that was answering those questions in specific, obviously, you know, to say that, that they felt that, that yes, that would be, that was horrible type of a situation. What do you think keeps that spirit there? What do you think? For, for the Lizzie Borden um, house, I believe that that was the the spirit of Andrew Borden communicating with us. And we, pe we picked up other things that night as well. But in that, those particular instances. I do believe that was Andrew Borden. And I think he's still there because the murder is not solved yet. Personally, I think that Lizzie Borden committed the murders, but she was never held accountable for that crime. And I think that's one of the reasons why it, it, it the spirit is still unfinished. there. Yeah, like unfinished unfinished business. Business. yeah, unfinished business. I know it sounds cliche, but it, I'm sure it's true. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, everybody, everybody's got something well, one more thing. That's the whole purpose of my podcast. One more thing. There's always one more thing we got to get done, right? One more thing we got to say. One more thing we got to do. And maybe that's just one more thing. Solve my murder, mm -hmm. please. Or give me justice. Exactly. So something that needs to be fulfilled before that spirit can move on. What's another favorite? Gosh, there's so many. Um, the Grand Old Lady Hotel is another one that we've investigated. And this is in Balsam, North Carolina. It was built in 1905 as part of the railway system through Balsam and through the mountains there in North Carolina. And um, it was extremely opulent when it was built. It's three stories. It has about 100 guest rooms, a grand ballroom, a grand kitchen. It has a, 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 a sunroom where you can eat breakfast and all of that. Hardwood floors, grand sweeping staircases and such. And so it was really built to cater to these passengers on this railway system going through the mountains. And they would use it for these summer retreats. And um, during its heyday, it was, you know, it was booked every summer. In, in about the 1950s to 1960s, it started to go into decline um, and, and the railway system kind of stopped 
using that as a junction. And um, so the current owner, she kind of wanted to bring it back to its former glory. So when you go there, again, it, it's very well maintained, um, mm-hmm. but she there's no there's no televisions in the rooms. There's no radios in the rooms or anything like that. She wants you to have like a communal atmosphere when you go. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a very large hotel. So in this instance, when we investigated, uh, we had the complete hotel to ourselves. We rented it out for the entire weekend. And so it was myself, Jenny, and Miranda from Ghost Biker. She joined us on this investigation also. So Miranda investigated on Friday night and Jenny and I investigated on Saturday night. So Miranda had a lot of compelling evidence that she was able to capture on Friday night. So Jenny and I were were pretty Mm -hmm. confident when we investigated on Saturday night. So during that night, um, we were capturing audible voices. We could clearly hear them in the moment. We had a table overturned. We were sitting in the kitchen and um, I said, you know, if you're here with us, can you just let us know that you're here? And the coffee pot turned on right in front of us. We captured it on oh. camera. You see the coffee pot turn on. The The hotel had been closed for the season, so there's no reason why that coffee pot should turn on at 2.30 in the morning. Um, but one of the most compelling pieces of evidence was on that Saturday night, we decided to stay in one of the rooms on the third floor that's adjacent to the one of the most haunted hallways in the building. And so the way the room is configured, it's a suite that has an internal room that had two queen beds and an external room that had one full-size bed. And the the door to the hallway is in that that external room. So Miranda was in that external room and Jenny and I were in the internal room. So, um, so we had a night vision video camera on the inside of the door and a night vision video camera in the hallway on the outside of the door. And so you see Miranda get into bed. You hear Jenny and I from the internal room say goodnight and Miranda turns off the light and she says goodnight. And so about 15 minutes after that, there's a man's voice outside the hall that says, please don't go so loud. It was, it was, uh, I mean, we all heard it. Miranda said, uh, did y'all hear that? And I said, yeah. And she goes, what did that sound like? I said, there's a man standing outside our doorway. And she said, that's what I thought. And um, it was, it was so compelling. Uh, And and you can clearly see on the, the, both of those cameras that there's nobody else in that building. So that was extremely compelling. And there's just a great investigation all the way around at the Grand Old Lady. You call it compelling. I call it crazy cool. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's crazy cool. Let let me tell you, I mean, it was, it was one of those where you're laying there and you know, you just heard what you heard and your hearing gets really acute and you're like, what's going to happen next? Is he going to come through the door? Is he going to run down the hallway? What's going to be his next move? And so you're laying there um, and it's kind of like, you kind of get these cold sweats, but you're exhilarated at the same time. Uh, But uh, that was just such a fun investigation. Absolutely loved it grand old lady you know it's kind of one of those things where you know those are there are those of us that will sit there and go yeah that's crazy cool and other ones that are out of there we're (laughs) gone we're history you know we're not coming back send me my bill (laughs) Uh, i'd be going hey keep talking keep talking i want to know more Mm -hmm. yeah tell me tell me more that's kind of that's probably that's pretty slick actually Mm -hmm. yeah uh, that was the that was the Monticello? Yeah, no, the, the one I was just speaking of is the Grand Old Lady Hotel. Oh, the Grand Old Lady Hotel, that yeah, one there. Yeah, um, I did have cataract surgery. I, I'm still trying to focus on stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was the Grand Old Lady Hotel. And another, real quick, just to, to follow up with that story, another compelling piece of evidence that we captured that night is um, we have a device that we use called an EDI Plus. And basically it's a, it looks like a little box and it has a, a K2 meter on it. It has a vibration sensor 
on it. So if something hits it um, or the or whatever it's sitting on, if something hits it, it'll vibrate. You'll you'll see the lights light up because something's right. touching it. It's a really cool device. So we um, we were in a room that night and Miranda had joined us and she was holding an SLS camera, which generally speaking, it's a modified camera that when you sweep it around a room, if it perceives a human figure in the room, it puts it as a stick figure on the screen. And so, for example, if, if I if I put it on you, if I shine the camera on you and it sees you, it will display you as a stick figure, right? So we're sitting on the bed in this room and Miranda's holding the SLS camera and we've got the EDI box probably about 10 feet away on a dresser. And so she's just holding the, the SLS camera and I'm standing behind her videotaping this. And so you see a stick figure appear on the screen and we're like, okay, we see you. If you're, if, if you can hear us touch the box that's on the dresser and you see a stick arm come out and you see the vibration meter on the box light up, it's, it's really compelling that's because amazing. you've got the SLS validating that's what it, it was really cool. It, it was one of probably one of the coolest things we've captured on the SLS and, and just to have those two pieces of equipment interacting with each other, again, extremely compelling. When you get into those situations where you see that evidence where you actually are able to validate that kind of evidence. Does that, you know, does it ever scare you? Does it ever make you nervous? No, it makes us exhilarated, honestly. Um, I, I mean, I can honestly say that, that we've never had a, a, a location that we've gone to scare us to the point where we say we're out of there or we run out screaming. Um, you know, to us, it's absolutely fascinating. Now, I mean, uh, there, there are points where we've gotten right. startled. Oh, sure. You know, you can't be in a, like a, a haunted penitentiary or something and hear a door slam and not say, holy crap. But uh, otherwise, to us, it's just it's an amazing experience to capture something like that. Hey, just a real quick reminder. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for being a part of the One More Thing Before You Go family. Please remember to subscribe and or follow us. We would greatly appreciate it. We do have an app that's available for you for free. You'll find it in the App Store or on Google Play. It is compliments of Superpaths, our sponsor. Anything that you want to do with your business to take it to the next level, have an entertainment or an information hub in the palm of your hand, it's Superpass. It will give you the unique opportunity for everything one more thing before you go. Please take the time to support us by subscribing, following, and visiting our unique merchandise store at beforeyougopodcast.shop. You'll find that link to the store in our website. It is beforeyougopodcast.shop. You can find our website at beforeyougopodcast.com and one more thing beforeyougo.com. You will find links to your favorite platform to listen to the show as well as the show notes for today's episode and contact information for our guest. And we appreciate you. Thank you for supporting and listening to us each and every week. Yeah, that's that would be like awesome. That'd be pretty cool, actually. The um, it's like the the we watch. Um, they call themselves the Tennessee Wraith Chasers uh, from from down in Tennessee and your neck of the woods. Now, yep. those guys. I mean, they've they've evolved into a different program, uh, and I forgot the name of the program that they're on right now. But we watch them occasionally, and I know that uh, they they at one time caught uh, somebody saying that they were Satan. You know, one of the old boys just kind of went Satan, like. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be here. <laughs> I think I'm going to be out there. Thank you. I'm 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 going to leave you to where you're at. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure how I'd react if some something came on and said, you know, what's your name? Who are you? I'm Satan. Have a nice day. 
<laughs> yeah, we, we kind of probably back away from that one as well. You know, for what we're doing, you know, we don't go and look for anything demonic. We don't go and look for anything satanic or anything like that. We truly want to speak to what we feel are the spirits that had a human existence, right? They lived, they died. And for some reason, they're still around and they want to tell their story. And so when we approach these investigations, those are the entities that we're trying to reach out to. But I can honestly say we've never felt anything malicious, <clears throat> nothing demonic mm -hmm. or satanic or anything like that. It's just been some really interesting, unexplainable paranormal phenomena that we've captured. Have you been able to capture any uh, 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 visuals? I mean, I, I know you get the, the SLR camera and stuff like that, but have you ever been able to catch uh, like an apparition or something along the, a shape or a dark you know, shadow or something like that that moves around? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, what kind of uh, so, so the very first one that we captured that was really kind of interesting uh, was at Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia. And this was a Revolutionary War fort uh, that was built really to hold off the British uh, bombardment from the water there so that George Washington could get his army out of Philadelphia. So it really played an integral part in the Revolutionary War. But um, they had these underground munition or these underground, they call them casemates. So they're underground casemates where they held munitions. So because it was, you know, cool and, and um, it, it would keep them from exploding and stuff. And they repurposed one of those casemates into a solitary confinement cell. So you go down about seven, probably about seven feet underground. Uh, you, you walk into this little corridor, you turn to the right and there's just this this rock struck this rock room and i'd say probably about four people could fit comfortably in this room but they housed a guy named william howell in that room as a solitary as a solitary confinement cell before they um, hung him for treason at the fort and so when we went we took some trigger items. We took some cigarettes and we took some water and some bread and we left it in there for him. And I say, I said, you know, Mr. Howell, these things are for you. If you want to communicate with us during the night, we appreciate it. Um, but these are for you. And so we had a night vision video camera on the, the, um, the threshold of that doorway. And there was a laser grid pointing into that room and the laser grid set just a hair in front of the camera. So anything that's going to go in front of the laser grid, you're going to be able to see it on the camera. Um, and so during the night, when all of us are on another side of the fort, you see a shadow figure come out of the wall on the right-hand side, and it walks through the laser beams, cutting off all the beams as it does so, and it goes out the left side of the room. And it was extremely compelling. We cannot explain it because you don't see anything. You know, There's nothing there in that room. It's just the camera and the laser grid. Right. And that the the, uh, the docent actually showed it to Grant and uh, Jason from Taps, and they were pretty much blown a bit away by it as well. So that was our first shadow figure. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, we captured another one at Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, um, and that was a pretty cool capture. And then we actually captured two. Well, I think it was the same one, but I'll, I'll explain it. But we captured two at the uh, old Gilcrest County Jail in Trenton, Florida. And so we kind of had the same setup. Um, this is a small <laughs> county jail. Um, it was built in 1928 and in operation until 1968. And it's it has just one small little hallway on the bottom level. And so I had a night vision video camera and a laser grid set up to point down that hallway. And so during the night, uh, this was with Miranda Young from Ghost Biker. She and I, it was in July. So she and I had stepped out of that main doorway because it was stifling hot. And we were just taking a break. But we were looking down the hallway. And um, we, we both saw a shadow figure walk from right to left through the laser grid. And it, cap it was captured on camera. And you hear hear me say 
okay, we saw you walk back the other way and it does. So now it goes from left to right. I was listening to you. Yeah, exactly. So that was pretty interesting. So those are the type of things that we've captured shadow figure wise. That to me, number one, you're walking in history again, mm-hmm. which I think is like so unique, especially go back to George Washington's time. How many people had the opportunity to be able to walk the same path mm-hmm. that, that historical figures have walked that I mean that in itself is again amazing I know every time we talk I get so excited with that because I love history and I love ghost <laughs> it, it works, works. <laughs> you know <laughs> it works really well actually um, but yeah it that in itself I think is uh, significant to show that there is something on the other side that there there are things on the other side that are still with us and that don't don't have any closure. Have you ever helped anybody get closure, do you think? Honestly, the the best example that I can come up with with that one is myself. And by that, I mean, I had a very vivid dream. Um, let me just digress a minute. So in 1986, my, my, my granddaddy died and he was extremely, you know, close to my Nana. That was his wife. And um, they absolutely loved each other. And um, so she lived um, several more years. And in 2016, I had a very vivid dream that my granddaddy came to me in this dream and it happened three nights in a row. So the first night he comes, um, it's a very specific spot in the house that they used to live in, which my family still owns. And so I, I'm in this dream and I'm in this old office that he that he had and I see him come at me and he makes this really weird kind of like, uh, and then he turns and, and goes through the wall. So it really kind of freaked me out. And um, right. so I thought it was a nightmare. And so it happened a second night. And so I told my mom, I said, mom, I have two nights in a row, I've had the same dream about granddaddy. And it's so vivid. I can tell you how he smelled, how he looked, you know, what he was wearing, the pictures on the wall behind him. That's how vivid this dream was. And so just off the cuff, she said, well, just ask him what he wants. So the third night, next night, I had the dream again. And in the dream, I said, granddaddy, what do you want? And he said, I'm waiting on your Nana, you're going to be getting a call soon. And then he turns and he walks out of the wall. So, I mean, what do you do with that knowledge, right? I mean, how soon is soon? And so I told my mom about it and we just kind of talked about it for a little bit. And about two weeks later, my Nana was in an accident. She fell down and broke her hip pretty substantially. And uh, so while she was in the hospital, she developed MRSA and she never really recovered from that. So we put her into hospice and she was in hospice for about five weeks. And on the day that she passed, I I looked at my my family and I said, can I go and do this? I, I need to go to this house and I need to go to that spot where I had the dream because I think that's where she's going to go. I think she's going to go meet granddaddy there. <laughs> and so everybody said, sure. And so I grabbed Jenny and we grabbed some K2 meters and we went to the house again, because my family still owned it. We went to the house and we stood in the exact same spot that was depicted in the dream. And we had two K2 meters, a black one and a gray one. And I said, Nana, are you here? And both of the meters light up like to red. They, they just spiked all the way to red. And I said, okay, just to confirm, can you stop on that on both of them and just go to the black one? Just the black one lit up. I said, one more time, just go to the gray one. And the gray one lit up. And I said, is granddaddy with you? And they lit up. So through this series of questions, I, I believe that Nana met up with granddaddy in that location and they ascended together because after that, about two weeks later, Jenny and I went back to the house. We did the exact same experiment with the exact same questions and the exact same tools and nothing. We didn't get a blip. We didn't get anything on those tools. So that's an example really that has put my mind at ease that 
there is something after this, right? That, and we don't yeah. face that transition alone. It's something that is, it, it, once you're there, somebody that you love or that you know or recognize is going to be there to help you with that transition. To me, it was extremely peaceful. That's an amazing opportunity. It, it, it really it was. Really... And I was so close to my Nana. I mean, I'm, I'm named after her. So, um, you know, she and I had a very close connection. So it really hit me hard. But after that experience, it was like, okay, I know she's all right. I know granddaddy's all right. right. And they've moved on. And that helps people get, I mean, as you know, on my program, I, we talk about life and death and everything in between. And with regard to that and, and through my career, <laughs> my personal life and my career, being with people that have passed on that didn't have anybody else there when they passed on mm-hmm. from this side, you know, uh, watching somebody pass and, and them saying, hey, please tell so-and-so, please do this, please do that. Um, you know, it kind of gives, uh, I'm, I'm sure, and I'm just, it kind of gives a sense of uh, relief to know that what you just said, mm-hmm. that you're able to kind of validate that there's somebody going to be waiting for you and that you're not going to be alone. And, you know, that there is opportunity for you to kind of ascend with somebody Mm -hmm. instead of instead of by yourself or you know going into the darkness so to speak Mm -hmm. yeah and and again to me that that was my experience with it that was my takeaway from it and it it really did um help me find that sense of peace with nana's passing yeah, it's very cool. Actually, very cool. Um, I, we've been talking a lot about equipment. Um, and I think since the first time we spoke, and you've added some things since the first time that we spoke, some very unique pieces of, uh, of equipment. Can we talk about some of those a little more in depth so people can understand what each one of those are and what they do? Sure, absolutely. So um, when you're when you're in the paranormal, equipment is kind of like tattoos, right? You just can't stop with one piece. So um, yeah, I think the last time we spoke, we had a few voice recorders and night vision video cameras, but um, it, it's one of those that that has that uh, it has really expanded. So we have, like I said, we have 15 voice recorders um, that we either carry with us, or we live in different locations, and obviously those are to capture EVPs. Um, we right. have body cameras. Each of us wear a body camera on the investigations. And that is, it serves two purposes. One, it's to get our point of view of the location as we're going through it, but it also provides a timestamp of where everybody is on on the location, right? So if we capture an anomaly on any of our our voice recorders or or any of our... our, um, our cameras, we know that I can cross-reference that and make sure it's not one of us. And then we have night vision video cameras that we leave stationary in different parts of the property that we're investigating. Uh, We've got 12 of those. So again, it really allows us to have eyes and ears on every piece of the property that we can that night. Um, We have K2 meters, and these are essentially EMF meters. And we use these, again, because we believe that spirits can use their energy to manipulate these K2 meters into what we call spiking. So when you look at a K2 meter, it has a light array on it. It's from green to red. So green is very low energy, spiking to red. That means high energy. So So um, if I were to take my K2 meter into my house, for example, um, the hairdryer will set it off to red. The microwave turned on will set it up to red. Um, But it takes a lot of energy to get this thing to spike to red. So theoretically, if you're in a location that has no power, these things should never spike to red. So when they do, that's a compelling piece of evidence, right? It's something that we want to research into further. So we use those. Um, REM pods, we have uh, a couple of those. And and these are basically 
and enhanced EMF detectors, right? They they have alarms on them. They have a light, a different lighting system, depending on how the the proximity of the energy to to that uh, device. So if something comes in within, you know, about a foot, it'll light up one. If it comes in a little bit closer, it'll light up a, a, a different color. So you know, proximity wise, how close the energy is to the device. Um, the EDI box, which I mentioned earlier, uh, it just it's a glorified EMF detector. It has has a motion sensor on it. It has a temperature gauge on it. Um, it has a pressure change gauge on it. So it's a really cool little multi-tool device that we use. Um, let's see uh, the spirit box. We have a spirit box. This is kind of a, it's a kind of a controversial um, tool. It, it, generally speaking, it's an AM FM radio that's been modified to very quickly sweep through frequencies. So when you turn it on and you start what we call the sweep rate, it sounds like as it's running through these radio frequencies, the theory is that the spirits can use the white noise to communicate with us, form words and, and kind of communicate with us. We love it. Um, we've had a lot of compelling um, evidence, uh, i.e. words that have come through the spirit box that are very germane to the area or germane to the building that we're in. And so for us, it is a very invaluable tool that we use. And then, like I said before, we have a, a, a whole, you know, equipment box dedicated to trigger items. So cigarettes, marbles, dominoes, teddy bears, gum, candy, um, that we, we take that with us as well. So we have a, a, an array of trigger items at our disposal. Yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. I think that, you know, the equipment within itself has, it has evolved so much, you know, from way back, way, way back when, when they were doing seances and knocking on the table. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, things, things have, uh, things have changed. We're now in the digital age and the, I think the digital age can help us to communicate what's on the other side or what's, what's within that veil. Mm -hmm. That's between here and the other side. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I will say that generally speaking, we're we're paranormal purist, right? The the EVPs, the 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 things that we capture on our voice recorders, that to me is the most compelling evidence that we capture on these investigations. The other tools we really just use to again validate or build a better case, if you will, that something's going on in a location. Which is always a positive thing because I validation. We all need validation. You know, we have these things where. Validation is something that I think we all need with regard to, especially, you know, we, we spoke a little bit ago in the beginning of this conversation about we all seek to want to know whether or not and validate whether or not there's something to the other side or that veil in between. Well, with that being, you know, morbid, but we're all getting older, right? Yep. And we never know when that instant is going to show up here. And we all want to know whether or not we're going to go someplace instead of like into the vast abyss of darkness. Hopefully the <laughs> up, you know, in the, in the cloudy, pleasant, nice one and not down in the burning ring of fire, so to speak. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, it, it's uh, tracking down and investigating these type of homes and these type of businesses, I think has to be satisfying for you because you're able to not only one, number one, enjoy the opportunity to be able to maybe catch something that nobody else has caught before. Mm -hmm interact with history, you know, num number two, and really kind of delve into 
to walking history. Mm-hmm. Number three, you, your sister, I know that you said you, you brought uh, Miranda in from <laughs> Ghost Bikers Exploration, who the people that are listening, we've got episodes from Miranda on here as well. You need to go back and listen to those. I'll make reference to them in the show notes so that we make sure that you go back and listen to, to yours and to hers. Oh, thank you. Uh, of course, so we can, yeah, so yours is one of the most popular episodes I've had, by the way. Oh, thanks. And so, and so is hers. So I couldn't wait to have you back on, but especially with all these new experiences that you're coming through. Mm-hmm. You're mostly on the East Coast, though, right? You, have you have you moved from the East Coast towards, or do you have plans to move from there to here um, well, in your investigations? Well, we've been out to Villisca. That's the farthest. That's in Iowa. That's the really the farthest that we've been. Um, most of what we've done is on the East Coast. And really, that's for logistic purposes. My sisters and I, obviously, we're you know, we're professionals in other fields besides paranormal investigation. So when we go to these locations, it really does take a lot of logistics and planning to, to plan them out. So that's the reason why we haven't gone too far out. We do have plans to go to Texas here soon. Um, and we do want to get out to Arizona as well. So we'll be out in the, hopefully in those locations this year. Yeah. That it's, it's, when you get some in Arizona, you have to let us know where you're coming. I would appreciate that. Absolutely. The uh, logistics within itself, obviously, I think that there are going to be more opportunity on the East Coast to be able to investigate more paranormal places than here in the West side of it, of everything. Because obviously, even though hundreds of years ago we were here, but I think you have more history and more battles and more like the Civil War mm-hmm. and some of the other things that were going on, the Revolutionary War and everything over there so that you have more opportunity to be able to kind of get more involved with the paranormal investigations from there. Help us understand the difference between paranormal and super supernatural. You keep bringing up paranormal and supernatural, but help us to understand that. You know, people do use that interchangeably a lot. Um, you know, for us, we explain the paranormal as, you know, that phenomena that cannot be explained by normal ru- rules of science, right? It's paranormal. It's different than the normal um, rules of science. And and that's really what we use as that term. Some people do have, you know, things that they claim as supernatural or they have experience that they say is supernatural when in fact they mean paranormal. Um, you know, supernatural is, is something that's a, a little bit different. It It's not so much trying to communicate with entities from the past, but maybe something, you know, like a UFO or something like that, or an extraterrestrial or something to that effect, more so than trying to communicate with entities that have passed on. Have you had any experience with the supernatural from that side? No, not personally. I have an aunt who uh, claims that she saw a UFO at one point, but I have not. Mostly what I've done is, is based in the paranormal world. Yeah, what you've done is amazing, though. Well, thank I mean, you. I, I, again, being able to participate in a little bit of history has just got to be unbelievably satisfying. It, I know I said that before, but and you can see the smile. See, if I was a video, you'd see my face light up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it really is. You know, like I said before, the, the history is what drives us to do what we do. And to be able to tell that historical narrative, if you watch any of our videos, you know that the history is the driving factor, it, you know, the the first three to five minutes of each of the videos really details why the location is important, what the paranormal um, claims are, but really what the historical narrative is, right. and then and then we couple those with the paranormal evidence that we find, which is fantastic. Now I know you got you said that you're going to head to uh, possibly Texas and possibly Arizona. Mm-hmm. Anything else down the pike that's coming up any sooner than that that people can watch for? Yeah, um, actually, this Sunday coming up, Jenny and I will be in Wilmington, North Carolina. She 
and I will be investigating the USS North Carolina. Um, very excited to investigate this battleship and um, <clears throat> obviously very historic. So we'll be there. And then the following week, I will be in West Virginia. I will be the keynote speaker at the West Virginia uh, Paranormal Tourism Conference. Very excited about that because that's one of the areas of research that I'm conducting right now is uh, historic preservation through paranormal tourism. So that's something that I'm, I'm kind of become passionate mm-hmm. about over this last year. And uh, then, you know, here at the historic Scott County Jail in Huntsville, Tennessee, Miranda and I, um, we have a lot of things that we have uh, coming up this summer. We've opened the jail up again to paranormal research. So we've got a lot of teams that have come in and have found some really interesting and unexplainable things um, here at the jail. So, you know, that we're just really kind of building that business also. And it's it's been a great ride here this, these last 12 months. So we've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I would say so. Well, well <coughs> since you started in the since you started, I think it's been kind of a, a very unique and amazing ride because it, all the stuff that you've collected over those years in regard to the paranormal have got to be, I mean, you're not collecting shot glasses. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, no. And you know, you're not collecting dolls, unless you're haunted, I guess. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. But, you know, to your point, you, you kind of you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. You know, what we do, other teams may have the same techniques, but they're never going to capture the same things that we're going to capture, right? So every time we do this, every investigation that we go on, we are capturing something that is unique to us. So, for example, you know, I can investigate here at the historic Scott County Jail and I can get an EVP or I can see a shadow figure and you can come in and investigate tomorrow night and you may get something similar, but you'll never get the exact same thing that I did. And I think that's what's so compelling about what we're doing. You know, myself and every other team in the paranormal community, we're we're just expanding that knowledge base and, and saying there is something after this. There is something that comes next. And again, it's it's the same technique sort of, but different outcomes, which to me is absolutely fascinating. You got to make a ghost happy by letting him watch Days of Our Lives. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing (laughs) else left to do at that point. (laughs) Exactly. That's it. That's it. The culmination. That's it. Investigation number four. And there it was. Where can where can people find you and find uh, how how can they participate in uh, enjoying what you have found and what you are being able to show other people in? Well, our website is www.soulsistersparanormal.com. We're also very active on Facebook under Soul Sisters Paranormal. We also have a YouTube channel under Soul Sisters Paranormal. And if you'd like to know what more about what we're doing at the Historic Scott County Jail, you can go to the Historic Scott County Jail Facebook page or www.historicscott cojail.com. All of the information is there. And I'll make sure that all of that is in the show notes so that people have easy access to find you and and to kind of uh, enjoy what you do and what you provide. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, Thank you for taking the time again. I know it was a bit of a journey for both of us to get to this particular uh, moment. I think we had technical gremlins that kept stepping in. We did. We did. But, you know, we finally made it work. So thank you, Michael. I'm, you know, I really appreciate the support that you've given us through the last couple of years. It's been really much appreciated. Well, I love what you guys do and I really appreciate what you do. So keep sharing what you're doing. Keep keep investigating. And honestly, when you get out here to Arizona, please let me know. And, um, you know, if there's anything I can do to help you out here, I would love to. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story. Share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter.
You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go, have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.